In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The mere fact of an empty tomb does not communicate everything. The fact of a tomb might tell us something about the circumstances of this person or, or these person's deaths. Finding a mass grave where there was a battle um, can tell us about the unfortunate circumstances of the demise of a group of people. Find the bones of women and children in there and you know that an atrocity took place. I want to tell you about a particular tomb that is currently empty. It's a tomb from 2,000 years ago. It's a tomb that testifies to the fact that Jesus Christ truly is risen from the grave. That his promises came true. And that all of his other promises will come true besides. It's a tomb far away from the Sea of Galilee. Far away from Nazareth. Very far away from Bethlehem. It's the tomb of St. Peter. The apostle who went into our Lord's sepulcher and found the burial cloths, as we just heard described. The shroud that covered our Lord's body on the slab, and then over in the corner, another cloth that was used to cover the Lord's head out of respect when his body was taken down from the cross and carried to its tomb. There were many purported messiahs 2,000 years ago, it would not have been a major event to discover that there was yet another false messiah that would prompt the fishermen and the tax collectors and all the other close followers of Jesus to realize we were wrong. We'll go back to what we were doing before. For Peter, that would mean going back to the Sea of Galilee, a few days' walk, and resume fishing with his brother and his father. Not that bad a life. Instead, St. Peter's tomb is thousands of miles away. He spent decades governing the church, guiding the church from Rome, from the seat of the empire. A natural place where you want to set up shop if you are attempting to evangelize the world. All roads, all roads led to Rome. That also meant from Rome, there was a road that led to anywhere in the world. Roman and Jewish historians tell us about the death of Peter, as well as the death of our Lord. And archaeological evidence makes it very clear what Christians always knew that Peter was buried on a little hill near the circus of Nero and Caligula. Christians came from all over the known world to pay homage to him, to request his prayers, to leave tokens as evidence of their visit. Within a few hundred years, the emperor was converted to the Christian faith. And even before his formal conversion, he built a mausoleum on top of that tomb to mark precisely the location 
of the place where St. Peter's body was laid to rest. If Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead, the largest religious structure in the world would not be St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican. That church wouldn't even exist. In fact, the Catholic Church wouldn't exist. If Jesus Christ had not risen from the grave, we would have no hope. Our only consolation would be what we can earn, what we can gain, what we can control. But the gospel to which St. Peter dedicated his life promised people no earthly advantage, only a heavenly reward. In fact, Jesus promised us that we would be hated, we would be persecuted, we would be killed. But he also promised that if we remain in him, we will have eternal life. If we were able to gain that eternal reward without much earthly cost, without sacrificing much, everyone would make that gamble. Because who knows, it might be right. But Jesus Christ insists if we want that heavenly reward, if we actually love him so much that we want to be with him forever, we have to give up everything. We have to take up our cross. We have to give up our lives. Some people do that so heroically that even without a, a, a battle against worldly forces, their lives are penitential. They wear sandals, burlap, and eat very little food. We call them Benedictines, Carthusians, Dominicans, Franciscans, Capuchins. Their lives are a living testimony to what it means to actually be with Christ, with now, as much as possible. For the rest of us, it's going to mean that to remain faithful to him, to live a life that is consistent with the dignity that he reveals to us, means that at some point we will hit conflict. And so none of us really escapes that ultimate earthly sacrifice of saying, I don't, I don't live for this life anymore. I don't, I don't live for my career anymore. I'm not trying to impress anybody anymore. I don't care if everyone hates me. They can call me every bad name in the book. They're not doing it, hopefully, because of my bad personality or my awful temperament, hopefully they're doing it because I genuinely, as kindly as possible, am being faithful to Jesus Christ. And he promised us they're going to hate you ultimately if you do this the right way. They are going to hate you because they hate him. So you see, St. Peter had no incentive to concoct a hoax because it only promised him that he would be hated and lose his life. 
those of you who are reading the bulletin these days know that my mother is dying of cancer. This is her last Easter, more than likely, barring a miracle. Changes everything a little bit. Means that the weeks of Lent haven't been so much focused on Good Friday. Even though Lent really is 40 days of interiorizing our Lord's death. That's why we do the stations so often. Pray the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary. Because if the world, if life were only about the death of Jesus, it would be unbearable. The only way to get through this is to cling to the resurrection. Jesus Christ really did rise from the grave. We really will see our loved ones, those, we have to admit, those who are faithful to Christ, those who die in the state of grace, in the state of grace, we can see them forever in heaven if we also live and die in the state of grace. And that's a great consolation. By the same token, it means that the cry of Alleluia, that the Lord is risen, is a little tempered. It's not as though it's with absolute glee and total delight that the world is a, just a big bunch of roses or cherries or Super Bowl rings or whatever else. No, the world is still a veil of tears. But my joy, my peace is greater because Christ has conquered death, has conquered sin, has conquered evil. The tomb of Peter is very important. It was at that tomb 19 years ago where I was able to pray frequently as a seminarian when my dad was dying of cancer. Providentially, it's where I was able to be the morning that we found out that mom was dying of cancer about a month ago. Peter and John believed, having entered the empty tomb, Anyone can visit the empty tomb. Not everyone who goes into it believes in the resurrection. The news that Mary Magdalene delivered to them was the first message of Mary to the believers. We have to read all the Gospels together and piece it into one narrative. Mary first discovered that the, that the tomb was empty. She went and delivered bad news to the apostles. Peter and John went running entered the empty tomb and believed in the resurrection. Meanwhile, Mary Magdalene encountered the risen Lord. And then she went to tell other believers that she had seen the risen one. And so Peter and John, because they know Jesus so well, because they were so convinced he was from heaven, and even though they heard his promise that he would rise from the dead and not yet understand it, once they saw the evidence that he was no longer dead and no longer in the tomb, they believed. That's every one of us here. We have heard the gospel. We have seen evidence of what God can do through his church, through his believers, through the sacraments. But we haven't probed the nail marks in his hands and put our hand into his side like Thomas will a week after Easter Sunday. 
We are the believers who believe because we know what he said and we know who he, who he has to be. And we know that he's not in the tomb anymore. And Jesus is risen. Our encounter with the risen one, now repeated thousands of times on this Easter Sunday, the test, as it were, because the risen one wasn't immediately recognized with the exact same features, but when he presented himself and called out the name of his beloved, Mary, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, the apostles, Thomas, they recognized him. It's a beloved experience, a beautiful experience to have so many visitors with us. At Holy Communion time, you'll see something not just ordinary, but mystical unfold. You'll see the Catholics who are ready to receive Holy Communion. You'll see them come forward, and a host will be held up in front of them with a proclamation, the body of Christ. And you'll see each believer say, Amen. This is the risen one. Amen. I believe in him. Amen. This truly is Jesus. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. Risen from the grave. Ascended into heaven. And still he remaining with us as he promised he would. This is the faith that can change the world. It already has changed many lives here and many families. But if we all believe like the apostles believed and loved as the apostles loved, this encounter with the risen one would, in the great words of that other former altar boy, Vince Lombardi, would not just be everything, it would be the only thing. No matter what happens to us, no matter what happens to our loved ones, the resurrected Jesus is the only thing. And so we give thanks and praise to God that what he accomplished on the cross, he was able to share with us as a victory on Easter Sunday. That the risen life is something that he not only shares with a few people, but he offers it to everyone who's willing to follow him. And he promises to give us the grace to be able to persevere through this veil of tears. And to be Christians who suffer and yet with joy. Who are persecuted and yet conquer. In a moment, you'll have the opportunity to stand and to renew your baptismal promises. And to be renewed in this life, as so many people have with so many beautiful confessions over the last few weeks. But one day is not enough. We had two adults come into the church last night here, among about 100,000 Catholics who are uh, newly received into the church as of last night. But it's hard to calculate how many people left the church over the last year. There will always be new believers. And there will always be people who fall away. 
having encountered the risen one, isn't a guarantee. Peter implored us in his letter, make sure that your election is permanent. Just because you are one of us now, doesn't mean everything's guaranteed. Every day we believe. Every day we love. Every day we worship. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.